teenagers who are realizing who they are absolutely need representation. There are also people like myself that are you, are you 30 years old and just now thinking about your gender? <laughs> uh, or maybe you've been, maybe you've been out for 10 years and you don't necessarily want to read about a 15 year old. You want to see, you want, I want an adult lesbian who has her life together and falls in love. You know, I want, you want the gay action hero. You want all of these, like, you want these, these, the tropes that have basically been denied to LGBTQ folks for decades. You, you want to see yourself in that. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, <laughs> see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Rayan Gray is a queer, non-binary author devoted to writing female-female and female non-binary romance. They love reworking classic tropes in new ways and adding a splash of heat to all of their works. <clears throat> splash, they say. <laughs> Ryan started as a poet, but now shifts between short fiction and longer prose, although their stories are always about how love transforms us. Ryan, welcome to Steam Scenes. I am so excited that you're here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited to be here. I'll thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I saw what your podcast was about and it was immediately like, oh, no, that's for me. I have to. <laughs> I have to ask. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm like, I'm really excited. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to like a spoiler alert. Love Kills Twice is the steam scene. It's from your book, uh, The Steam Scene. Uh, let's go back, try this again. The Steam Scene you sent is from your book, Love Kills Twice, and it is one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever read. Thank you so, so much. It's very flattering. I'm just going to light your cheeks up now. So <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The, pre, the pre-blush. I appreciate yeah. it. So, okay. When did you realize that you wanted to become a writer? So it was, it was really young. I didn't even... I guess, conceive of it as a writer. This is funny. I, I love telling this story because it always cracks people up. But when I was really young, my I had to go on these big road trips between California and Arizona uh, to go see my, my uh, grandparents. And whenever we would drive back is my grandmother would be like, hey, kiddo, tell me a story. Just in the oh. car. It, because it, this was, you know, a while ago, I didn't have, you know, a, no cell phone, no video game. Uh, no, nothing to entertain us on this, you know, this this drive all the way out to Sedona and back. And... <laughs> no portable DVDs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, she'd just be like, so t- you tell me a story. And I just start coming up with stuff. And uh, and she was always very, very encouraging of that. And as I got older, like she, she sent me to like a writing camp and wow. um, uh, a bunch of things like that. So I, I started very young. Uh, and which it, it was funny, this was before digital publishing was huge. So as I was growing up and a teenager and trying to be more mature, I was like, well, you know, tra- traditional publishing is really hard. You know, people don't do it all the time. Maybe I'll never be able to like get a book published, but, but I want to tell my own stuff. So I started writing and stuff in notebooks and, uh, like I told myself, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write my first book by the time I'm 18. I did. It was awful. Uh, I'm glad it's wow. never seen the light of day. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, Are we going to excavate that at any point or no? <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, but, but I, it was 88,000 words and I did finish what? it before I turned 18. 
Amazing. Um, so it was, I, it, I, I, I don't know if I still have it, but I used to have a, a, a very battered paper copy of it. It was, it was wow. terrible, but, but I proved to myself that I could write. That's, a, that's actually an amazing feat. I mean, I think like kudos to anybody who can finish a novel, period, full stop. Cause it's fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm proud. I'm proud of Teenage Bee, honestly, for just being like, I'm going to finish it. Because even though like looking back at it, I'm like, oh, wow. The, uh, hmm. well, I know a lot more about writing now than I did when I did this, but like just the, the, the motivation and like yeah. the push to do that at such, such a young age, like kudos young me you you really you really put it out there so wait what now what genre was this in i mean was it was it even a genre oh okay it was pnr so you were like you knew that you were going to be like from an early age you were like romance yeah damn were you reading romance at the time so my mom loved rom-coms. She was super into the movies. Like a lot of the movies that came out and stuff growing up, she would always take me with her to the, the movie theater. So I grew up all exposed to a lot of rom-coms, but it was actually my stepmother who she would read the old, like the clinch cover stuff, yeah. you know, like the classic, um, you know, uh, a lot of Highlander kind of uh, romances. <laughs> and she, she would read them, but she would have so many of them is that they would end up in the back of the car. Oh, okay. Done so, with that. Chuck it in the back. <laughs> yeah. So I, we'd be on like a drive or something because I, I grew up in Southern California and you're on the highway yeah. for 20 years every time you get in the car. Yes. Um, and I, so I, I ended up reading some of those, but uh, my first like romance that I read by myself was actually like a YA. It was an FF romance. It was called Annie on my mind. Oh, um, okay. which was, it came out in 82. Um, oh, which, okay. but, but it's actually, I, 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 younger than that but it had been um apparently it has never been out of print uh since it was published really it's about, yeah it's about two girls in new york who fall in love with each other and the thing is is like i'm reading this in like not in like late 90s and 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 was surprised that like it ends well for them it's a happy ending it's like a really early case of like a happy ending for like two girls falling in love and this and this and it like immediately like it, it gave me so many feelings uh, I, I came out of the closet a couple of years after that, but at the time I was just like, not, I was just like, wow, this means a lot to me. I don't know why though. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I'm very curious. How did you stumble on that? A library. Just at the library. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, to diverge mm -hmm. for a quick second, you, you actually started, I don't know, professionally writing with poetry. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, mm -hmm, okay. I was in, um, I was in, I was pretty young, actually. I was in middle school and high school, um, is that I, my teachers were encouraging me. I entered in poetry contest. I got a couple things published. Um, there was one published through like a, like an Ivy league publication, which was cool. And then there mm. was like a formal book that they did, uh, collecting, uh, like best poems of the year and stuff like that. So I had like a little bit of, of publishing experience there growing up and, but I, I wasn't really happy with any of it. I don't know why, why? but there was oh, very okay. like, um, it was just like, I, I liked writing poetry, but like getting that published, I like, it wasn't, I was just like, I guess that's cool. But for some reason, teenage me had no interest in pursuing that as a career. Uh, well, it's a I, hard career to pursue too. I mean, yeah. yeah like, mm -hmm. you know, nobody, 
that multimillionaire poet down the street. Like, you just- <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, and that's the thing yeah. is, it's like, I was, I was raised to like, I was raised to have a fairly like practical mindset about like careers and jobs and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's cool that I got this, but you know, I, d- I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. So I, I still did it as like a hobby for enjoyment. But where I started expanding into prose is I, I kept reading these books that I just like, it like changed my life. You know, it would, I just read it and I would just be left with this, sense of like, you know, this is beautiful. This is brilliant. How do people make these things? Uh, and okay, uh, yeah. I started, I, 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 it was so slow. I started with short stories because I was used to writing really, really, really short. Yeah, lines. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, save for the 88,000 no- word novel that yeah. you wrote when you yeah. were a kid. You yeah, know? No, 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 I got there though. That, this was, this was when I'm like 14, 15. <laughs> and, and I'm like, so I, I worked short stories and I was like, okay, I worked, I did short stories. And then I would get it longer. And then I was just like, okay, I'm going to try a book. And that's what I finally got to that point. Okay. I was 18. So it was just this, this like slow, like, okay, I finished a short story. Okay. I finished a chapter and I fi- slowly worked myself up to be able to like wrong. It used to be hard. It used to be hard for me to do multiple pages. Cause I was so used to like a poem where it's like one or two pages and just focusing on individual words and syllables that getting to something that was tens of thousands of words felt so overwhelming. So I'm curious because, I mean, we will get into it um, mm. with your scene, but I think that your word choice was very considered in mm. your steamy scene. And so I'm wondering, does that, I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm, you know, so this is a grand assumption and you can be like, ah, wrong. Um, your, that sort of care is, has carried over. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, okay. I honestly think that that's the best thing that poetry has given me is that is for, is not just word choice, but like cadence and mm-hmm. rhythm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I can it's definitely like, see that. Yeah. Like the, the variance in how like one sentence flows into another, because I'm, I was so used to having to do that for every single line. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's a lot for what I do for my editing process actually is that, you know, I'll, I'll throw my stuff on the page and be going as a lot of my editing is just like, is trying to get the rhythm of the sentence down and, and tweaking word choice until it feels exactly like it's supposed to be. I, I do think a lot of that came from, from starting out with poetry where every word matters. Yeah. I, it was, it was really clear because as I kept reading it and sort of highlighting all of this stuff and I was like, Jesus, like I, I can see where, the poetry background sort of comes in because it it's it's really really exquisite absolutely gorgeous i was like thank you so much so okay eighty-eight thousand uh word novel aside (laughs) what what was what was the first book that you wrote yeah yeah that that was very much just like kind of a first prove yourself draft It, it um but i for a long time well so i'm in college okay um and I am I'm majoring in media design. And um, I, I thought at that point that I was just going to go into, I don't know, I was just looking for some kind of stable career. Mom told me to study what I wanted. And I went with that. And I was like, okay, I'll figure something out. Well, halfway through my degree, I got a job as a scriptwriter for uh, mobile games, romantic mobile games. Oh, I applied for one. They didn't take me. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever need a wreck in the future, I've written so many. Um, oh, real? okay. We Okay, we're going to totally yeah. go down a little rabbit hole yeah. in a second, but finish telling me this. <laughs> um, well, a friend of mine was doing it, and she was really happy with it. And she said, hey, my company is looking for another scriptwriter. Do you want to give it a shot? And I was like, well, I write stories. I don't write scripts, you know. And she's just like, yeah, but you're a good writer. Just give it a shot. And I was like, okay, sure. And uh, so I sent in a script. 
uh, that script ended up being the test script they used for like three years um, to like compare other writers to when they applied. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, oh yeah, no wonder you didn't yeah. get the job. <laughs> yeah. But no, but it was, and it was, I mean, it was as much of a surprise to me. And I ended up doing that. I, for five years, I wrote 30 seasons of content. Wow. Um, So it became like out of college, like a, whoa, you know, (laughs) that's your job out of college. That's actually a really cool job because I know when it popped up in my feed, I don't even remember where I found it. I was like, Oh, I would like to do that. Mm -hmm. And I made it to, um, as far as like submitting, like, you know, I had to like go play Like I write a script for a game, you know, they gave me mm-hmm. some parameters and I, for, for, and I wrote a script for an existing game and they were like, yeah, thanks for playing. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I wouldn't feel bad about it. At all. The, co- the amount of competition you're against is surreal. I'm it sure. Is, I'm sure. Like, it, there are many, many, many people who want to get into writing games at all, much less romance specifically. It's, it's actually, it's actually kind of, it's the, the competition in the industry is pretty brutal. So, so I would not knock yourself for that at all. And so you were writing romance uh, stories for the, the game was like hooked into romance. So with, with the, was, was it steamy or no? Cause I don't think they get steamy or do that. So that's the interesting thing about that. You want to talk about, so there's uh, something that's really important is that uh, Apple in particular does not like you to have sexually explicit content on oh, any app that's hosted on their platform. What a They're really not a fan of it. However, <laughs> readers yes. want it. <laughs> so what do you do? The answer is you get as close as you possibly can. Oh man. Like, uh, so I would definitely say that they're Stevie because I wrote many sex scenes. It was just that in many cases, we had to be very careful about there are specific words you couldn't use. Uh, one thing that's really interesting, you couldn't write safe sex because the word condom. Oh, it would, would get flagged. <gasps> what are we teaching the children? Yeah. So yeah. we have a really interesting, I mean, we have a really interesting case and the same with dental dam. I had a friend of mine oh. who tried to have that in the scene and it was just like, Nope, you can't put that in there. <laughs> oh my God. My senior year in college, I took a public relations course. Um, and I did, we were supposed to give a speech and I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to give a speech. Like, I was like, I just want to get my credits and get the fuck out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I did a speech on how to use a dental dam. That's, oh, that's incredible. <laughs> see, see I, what I would wager is you had the most interesting speech. I did. And everybody <laughs> laughed through the whole thing. It was actually great fun. And my professor, bless, he was like, he just sat in the corner shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, no, see, I, I think you chose the best option. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. It was like I was the lone theater person in a sea full of comms majors. And my professor was actually the managing director of the theater. So he knew me quite well. And he just sat in the corner shaking his head. And he was like, oh. Oh. (laughs) But yeah, you wouldn't have been able to put your speech on Apple because, (laughs) which again is a weird thing. Like you have readers that want sex. You have that want sexual content like the app is rated 17 plus okay so you know that like they shouldn't be playing it if they're underage and yet apple's just like nope so you, you, but you, what the result ends up being is that we do have sex scenes because it's what people want but you can never be protected oh my god which is it was just like that's is that what we want to get across okay <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. Thanks, Apple. Oh, yeah. God. So it's it, it's just very specific terms, like 
the one we always got in trouble with was using inside in the inappropriate and in, in, in the context we weren't supposed to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not an explicit word in and of itself. No, but... <laughs> but if you just like if you're just going deep inside her, nope. Take that. No, take the inside. No, but no, inside flag, like if you're like, hey, I'm going inside for a cup of coffee. Who wants one? Would would inside just be flagging or were, did they have algorithms that were able to pick up like, oh, they're going inside. So the thing is, is we had like editors and producers who would read our scripts. So they would manually read it first. Okay. And so if it was a normal one, we'd just check it. But as soon as they got to the sex scenes, they were like a fine tooth comb being like, you know, we have a list of words you can and can't use. And the problem is, is it would vary all the time. There are definitely like some scenes in that app that are far more ex- like, okay, the one, there is a single strap on scene in the entire app. One. I love There's, this. Because the editor, I guess, missed what was going on there. The editor just was like asleep at the wheel. Yeah. So it got published and uh, the fans loved it. And they had to, like, after the fact, like, subtly edit the content down because they didn't oh. want it to get reported. But it def- <laughs> but, but, the, so there's the one, there's the one strap on scene that, like, slipped past the, which, to be fair, like, we're talking, like, dozens of episodes of content in right. many, many, many seasons. Right. But it is hilarious that one of them just, like, somebody was, you know, it was probably a Friday night and they're reading yeah. the script. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, put it out there the next day. Wait, she did what? <laughs> This is fantastic. How so? Okay, so were you on time constraints for writing these scenes? Did they, were you like okay? Here's your here's what we need, and you have whatever three weeks to do it. Or oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, okay. uh, the, the app updated three times a week. Whoa, um, whoa. Yeah, I, it's not that I had content because we had many many characters and different writers at the same time. But like, it was very like I had a pretty strict two week schedule for knocking out scripts. Wow. Um, and yeah. This kind of sounds like an MFA, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, like you're, it's, I mean, it's a very different form of writing. You know, I was attracted to it because like I said, I started in theater and I started as a playwright and mm. just sort of moved into novels simply because the only way you can have a career in theater is because of critics and, and I, had a day job working with the critics and I was like, oh, I don't want these people to control my career. <laughs> Absolutely not. And so yeah, I, would, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was like, oh no. Um, but, but there's still that part of me, like, you know, like when I write my dialogue comes out so quick and I can just, mm -hmm. I could go pages and pages and pages and pages of dialogue and not put any expository, anything in there and be happy as a clam. But you know, that's no fun to read. Um, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense though. Like say like an MFA, because for me, the, the, I didn't realize that at the time, but because I was writing these romances and like learning the structure and like what characters people liked and what tropes people liked and it was such a quick schedule is I it, it was like a crash course yeah. in becoming yeah. very very good at yeah. writing romance because again people would react in real time it's it's not like publishing where you write a book and you get it to a publisher and then two years later there's a paperback and you know like it, it is literally I would write it and two weeks later people would be reading it and give, be giving me their opinions um that's kind of amazing and you could pivot based on what the readers or players i guess mm -hmm. i guess we'll call them players um yeah either or. yeah would would sort of respond to 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we would get like we would especially like at the end of a season, uh, people could leave reviews and they would tell us like what they liked and what they didn't. It would be great to see them them guessing what would be happen next and be like, yes, we have that planned, or uh, nope, not that. Um, but uh, it, we use that feedback all the time, and the results was, I mean, a lot of the stories I wrote ended up being very successful, which was a big deal to me because what I what I didn't say when I was writing these scripts is all of these scripts were LGBTQ characters. That was not true of the whole app. Okay. The app initially just started out, it's just MF. That's it. Oh, okay. And it was my, my friend who had gotten me out of the script. She wrote the very, very first FF route for the company, period. And it did well. And they were like, huh, maybe there's a market here. And all of us in the corner, yes, there's a market here. We've been telling you this for years. Imagine (laughs) that. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because I actually see that in theater a lot. Um, You know, I had a 20, 20 year career doing publicity and it was, and I can probably count on one hand, the number of shows that I wrote for, you know, a lesbian audience or female, Mm -hmm. female audience. Mm -hmm. And, and, but, you know, I can, I have no, I can't even tell you how many, you know, gay plays I've worked on or straight play, you know, just, but it, but there was absolutely nothing in the market for lesbian women or, or, you know, non-binary. It was, it's really extraordinary how there was absolutely nothing written for them. Yeah. I mean, and that was what I experienced growing up and what I, what I, the biggest thing for me with this story is I wrote their first ever non-binary love interest, um, which is quite possibly, I haven't been able to ever independently confirm this. So please keep that in mind. Okay. What possibly the first non-binary love interest in a professionally published video game. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've never been able to independently, I've, I've checked and it seems pretty likely, but like that, that's like, that is like described that way. And, you know, is like openly that way published by a studio. Um, and it was, it was a huge endeavor. Like it took a year to get approved through management because they kept being like, I don't know. And we just, we're just like, please, like at least let us give us a shot. And yeah. they released and they were number one on the rankings for quite a while, um, which was, which was extremely satisfying, of course, but it, it, sure. led to them open, it led to them opening the doors. All of a sudden they're like, there is a market. We're going to cater to the market. Now, yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like you, you know, these, they, they want the, these big companies or the, whatever the, the people with the money, you know, yeah. <laughs> they want to see, is there a market for this? And, mm-hmm. and if there is, they're, they're like, okay, let's do this. And I, you know, and it I becomes kind of a catch-22 situation. Right, right, it's right. hard because, like, if you've never done it, is they're like, well, you can't prove that there's a market. I'm like, I can tell you that every single person I know thinks there is. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, you know, it's, but it, but they have no proof. Because, again, it's like, in my case, when I was writing the first, I had nothing. There was I nothing, I had nothing yes. that I could show them. Yeah. All I could show them is, like, the, the thing is with this character is that they're the character's boss the main protagonist boss uh, in the game we were doing and they were always non-binary. So it was cool to just have them as a character and people just kept being like, wow, they're so dreamy. They're so this and that. I'm just like, please, you can tell at least in the reviews that they're interested. So what we did, (laughs) what we did, this was so sneaky. So we decided that the plot was going to be that the boss had always been into them, like into her for a long time, but it just kept it quiet to be professional. Didn't want to ever cross that line, et cetera, et cetera. But in another route, got jealous and ends up almost kissing her. Yeah. And we had an, an image for it. 
an image of them pressing her up against the wall and about to kiss her, and people lost their goddamn minds. <laughs> you had the clinch moment. <laughs> we gave them that in a route, like another route, just to be like, what's this re- reaction going to be? And their response was chaos, just pure <laughs> chaos. They're just like, oh, I want this, but like their own story. I don't want it to get in the way of the other but one, but it, that was finally enough for management to be like, okay. Well, we'll give it a shot, and then it did very well. That's but there, there awesome. was it was this like twenty step process to convince them that yes, please, people will buy this. That's wonderful. Well, I will. I mean, you're on the vanguard, and I don't. How does that feel? Oh, I, 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 I wish I wasn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it yeah, sounds like it's it's hard because I want to be like I'm so grateful for people who have given me opportunities for for publishing and yeah. for my work and everything. I don't want to sound ungrateful because I am. I'm deeply grateful. I'm very honored that people trust me with this. Every time I get a review from somebody being like, "I've never seen a character like this before. Thank you for doing this." Like it means the world to me um, in every way. But also, it's just it, it's it's so hard. You are always, always, always pushing back against the status quo, yeah. and. It, it, you you wish you know and mind you there's more and more I see more and more non-binary authors getting published every day you know I see you know people pushing for inclusion you know yep. many many people right now are working really hard to open that up yep. but it is it is really hard to be at the front of the pack <laughs> yeah I don't you know it's I, I am and the thing is like you had mentioned with Annie on my mind mm-hmm. in 1982 you were like oh my god Oh, like this is for me. Like this is written mm-hmm. for me. The, you know, and I think that that is so important. Representation matters. Mm-hmm. It really does. Well, in in the the big representation that matters to me, because there's there's actually quite a bit now, and this is this is very good to be clear. In YA, there's quite a bit of representation now. They're they're really going with picked- like with tr- yeah with trans characters and characters of color and you know gender disability. All of these things you're seeing people pushing the gap there all the time. And that's fantastic. But the the thing is for me is that's good. There's a lot less on the adult fiction front, which is, that's where I'm, that's why I focus my work where I do. Okay. Because I want, I want, yes, teenagers who are realizing who they are absolutely need representation. Mm -hmm. There are also people like myself that are you, are you 30 years old and just now thinking about your gender? <laughs> uh, or maybe right. you've been, maybe you've been out for 10 years and you don't necessarily want to read about a 15 year old. You, you want right. to see, you want, I want an adult lesbian who has her life together and falls in love. Yes. You know, I want, uh, you want the gay action hero. Yes. You want all of these, like you want these, these the tropes that have basically been denied to LGBTQ folks for decades. You, you want to see yourself in that. Yes. So as much as I, I absolutely love all the work that people are doing in YA, it, it very much feels not for me. I'm too old for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I haven't picked up a YA in a really long time because mm-hmm. I'm too old for it, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's great to know that, you know, the next generation, the kids coming up have that representation. At least that's mm-hmm. sort of a step. Why do you think adults has been so slow to pick it up? I mean, a lot of it is, I, I, is I, I've been told for 10 years that FF has no market, despite the fact that it, it does. That sounds familiar. Like, I, that's what I heard through three. Yeah. And, and I really lies, think that lies. agents, I really think that agents yeah. and publishing houses and a lot of people that have been in this industry for a while have really internalized it. Okay. Um, they, you know, they, they see that, you know, there's stuff like YA and stuff like love Simon and other things like that do well. 
Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this, yeah, the teenagers love this. That's cool. But when it comes to adults, they're very often there's a reticence. Like there's people are pushing more and more. You have like really it's not a, it's not a romance, but it's it's very lesbian centered book. You have like cool sci fi like Gideon the Ninth um, that Tamsin Muir released that is like sent like almost the whole cast is queer women. That's really cool. It's a yeah. big, you know, like sci fi epic and, you know, New York Times bestseller, you know, break the charts book. And that's great. So we're, we're seeing that now and these books are coming out now, but it's, it's slow. Right. It's such a small percent. I mean, I go looking for like new lesbian and trans and non-binary fiction to read all the time. And I see a lot of the same books recommended to me that were recommended to me three years ago. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I guess it's happening, but it's happening very, very slowly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, the nice, th- oh, yeah. go ahead. no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but, but I, I really think publishers are starting to go to bat there. I was just going to shout out uh, Karina Harlequin mm-hmm. who's, who's publishing because I do have an FF paranormal coming out is that for that they are, have been, going out of their way especially recently to back um like queer writers and trans writers they had like two trans women release romances uh this year uh, penny ames and Mae peterson which is like the the first like it's harlequin hey you know harlequin backing you know yeah you know, romances for trans women and marketing them and which written by trans women which is an important part and like that's fantastic and you know they picked up my ff book and told me that you know and they saw a future in it they you know which is great because i know there's tons and tons of shifter books out there but i still have the hardest time finding lesbian ones <laughs> so now is this are you talking about the uh, the hounds of god mc oh yeah yeah so yeah, the, the okay. book is, yeah the book is uh her wolf in the wild that's it sorry okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay and um, that's the, it. but the 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 uh, the motorcycle club in it is the hounds of god i gotta yeah. tell you this sounded awesome because i was like oh my god shifter plus mc hello sign yeah, no, me up it's actually hilarious because that's what my editor said she's just like she, well no when she when she's like she's like i wanted to get this because using a motorcycle club as a disguise for a werewolf pack is brilliant. Yes. And I was just like, in, in there are tons of fun, which I, I, you, you mentioned to me uh, leading up to this, that you were interested in the MC stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the cool thing is the reason I wrote MC stuff and maybe a lot of people don't know this. So I'm in Chicago currently. Uh, there's a museum called the leather archives, which is on the history of like queer culture and leather and kink. Oh, I had um, no it's idea. One, oh it's my one god! Of the, it's one of the only. It's like the only museum of its kind in the United States. Um, and it's in Chicago. And it's, yeah, and it's four blocks from my house. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, and right, right now, but they've had this display before. They have a massive, like, full room display of the like 50, 60, 70 year long history of gay motorcycle clubs. That's tremendous. And this is the thing is, this has been true for decades, but a lot of people think, and, and mind you, I'm not knocking it. I, I watched the show too and enjoyed it. A lot of people think of motorcycle clubs as the sons of anarchy, yeah, yeah. very like it's, it's cishet white men yep. and, and that, that's it. That's motorcycles. And and then maybe that sometimes by race, like there's like, they have the, the Mayans, you know, like right, the Hispanic Mayans, yeah, or yeah. black. And, yeah. yeah. But the thing is in real life, many, many motorcycle clubs were completely composed of gay people. Uh, there's dozens of, like these clubs had their own patches, their own vests, their own rules. And this has been true for a very, very long time and gets left out of the conversation. 
So uh, me, I love biker stuff. I love shifter stuff. And I'm like, there's a history here that doesn't get talked about. I'm going to put them together. That's phenomenal. Now, did you also know, this is the thing that sort of a couple of years ago, um, I read this article in, I think it was New Orleans, like New Orleans magazine or like one of, uh, or like whatever the magazine is for the city of New Orleans. And they Mm -hmm. talked about a female biker gang, like club. Mm -hmm. It was a female Mm -hmm. MC out of there. And then like a couple of years later, the New York times picked it up. And I had, I would, I was reading about that and I was like, damn, I would love to write like a MC, but like really twist that trope. Yeah. And you can, like, it's, it's not just, I mean, of course you can do anything you want with fiction. You could do it even if there wasn't a historical person. Right, right. But the thing is to know is that there is. Right. These, like these people exist. These women exist. These, you know, these, there are like uh, the, the very first gay motorcycle club, the Centaurs, they still exist. Damn, they, really? They, Amazing. Yeah, oh my God, they, I had no like idea. 1954, I think, is when they were founded. Oh, wow. And like, there are still patch, patch-wearing patch centaur riders in this day and age. That's so, like, really cool. Yeah, so like, this isn't even ancient history. Like, this is this is currently true. But again, because people don't have access to like, you know, the museum. or the, and, and this is the thing is, bikers are notorious for not wanting to grant interviews or like have people write down things about what they do for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's the thing is, it's like, it's hard to find the history. The people, the history that people know is the most notorious, like the Hells Angels and such, um, because, you know, they cause, they, they have caused enough chaos and had enough public eye that everybody mm-hmm. knows who they are. But a lot of these other clubs have just kind of quietly existed for decades and nobody knows about it. That is so cool. And is there any oral history out there for on, on them or anything? I mean, I mean, a lot of it is you just have to kind of be in the community. Yeah. I mean, uh, like the only the like the only place I know that has that big archive is specifically the Little Because I was going to say, this is yeah. so cool. Like it would, it would it would really suck to lose it to, to sort of like, you know, just be one of those things that just gets lost in history because nobody's you know, been able to take it down, like take down this, these stories, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that... And to be fair, the, the museum tries, they do have written down like oral history, like right. they've interviewed people and they've written it down and like, you know, archived it because cool. they're a museum and they care about that a lot. Right. But in terms of like wide exposure, it, it's like, there's, there's a limit to how much, you know, you would have to like, I'm not even sure how you would like archive it for the rest of the planet. That's but amazing. It's, uh, That's really cool. I had I have yeah. absolutely no idea that that existed and and the whole background. That's amazing. Yeah. So so my my crossover is one. It was it, it's two things. One, queer biker culture. I want more people to to know about it, think about it, and hey, it can be hot too. Bikers are hot. That's why the MC yeah. romance. Is, <laughs> MC, yeah. MC romance is, is popular <laughs> for a reason. And um and also the biggest thing for me is that. I have always loved shifters growing up. There's almost never any werewolves that are women. Yes. True. Because, yes. Because, because and it, it, there are in, in some places, like I have read some, but in terms of like percentage, if we're talking like a gender split there, uh, in it, when I was growing up as a teenager, it was women are vampires and men are werewolves. Mm. Women are, you know, which, which makes sense. Okay. So women have to be immortally beautiful Right. And yep. they're so predatory never... bloodsuckers. I see where this is going. Um, <laughs> oh, it all makes sense now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then men are allowed to be, in this fictional context, brutal, violent, very muscular, hairy. Yeah. You have some, like, you have some, like, kind of, like, what is expected of, like, physical, like, what is expected of, like, somebody's physical sex is, like, refracted in these paranormal tropes. Right. So women aren't supposed to be 200 pounds of 
like, you know, muscle and covered in fur. So even in a fictional context, it's just very, very rare. I actually specifically remember the very first one I read, um, it was MF, but it was, it was blood and chocolate. Um, when I was growing up and it was a wonder to me because not only was the main character a female werewolf, she actually ditched the human guy she was interested in and decided to be with a werewolf at, at werewolf guy at the end because she didn't want to give up her power for him. And I was like, damn. Wow. <laughs> wow. That never happens. That never happened. <laughs> it was a total shock to me that like, she had like the standard, like love triangle thing going on. And instead of that, she, she realized he's like, he, he, she's like, you're afraid of who I am and will never accept how powerful I am. So I'm going to be with my own kind. And I was like, I'm like 14. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> For a long time, that was like the only, one of the only cases where I could find where a werewolf was a woman. I loved watching the Underworld movie series growing up. Like those, oh, yeah. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, uh, that's which, such a good series. And, yeah, and me being like, wow, she's really pretty. It's like, me at me, have you figured anything out yet? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, is that every single werewolf in that series is a man. There's like seven, there's like six. Yeah, movies. you're absolutely right. And in so like in growing up, so the the like I don't know. It's always been something that I was just like, I want werewolves who are women who can express themselves. It's also a thing for me being non-binary. Like shifters are transformative. You are literally transforming your body back and forth. Yes. You have two different bodies. You have people that trust you differently depending on what body you are in. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's, a, you know, it's a very like, it's a very like trans trope as it were. So to be like putting them together, that made total sense. So, so I, I mean, and, and also on top of that is, is Micah, who's the, the love interest in the book and the werewolf is not just a lesbian and not just a werewolf, but she's butch very because, yeah. which was a big deal to me. Cause again, there's, there's not a lot of mainstream butch lesbians. Right. Um, so like putting that together, you know, all of that was like a big deal for me. It was also just really fun to write. You get all the fun tropes of werewolves and bikers. You could just go wild. I'm like so stoked for this book to come out. I'm like, is it fucking October yet? Come on. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like dying to read this. <laughs> but it was funny. It was one thing you asked me is like how I went, you, you, you mentioned to me before we did this interview is like why I went from romantic suspense yeah. to shifters. Yeah. So I'm still, the Assassin series is still going. Okay. Uh, Love Kills Twice is the first book. Uh, Love Bleeds Deep came out earlier this year. Um, I'm working on Love Burns Bright right now, which is the third one. Okay. Um, is But honestly, it's that two things. One, I wanted a slight change of pace. The romantic suspense series is very dark. It is, it is very serious. It's like it draws from a lot of noir tropes. Uh, there is mm. a lot of murder. There is a lot of trauma. There is, you know, and it is inherently a romance at its core because, you know, that's what I love to write. But, it, you know, I, I wanted something a bit different. And this is this is funny considering what I said before for market. I also knew I would be more likely to get a bigger publisher if I wrote FF over FNB. Mm. And I was right because Harlequin bought the book. Um. <laughs> oh my God. This is crazy. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. This is so cool. I'm like, like, your career is kind of like how you're carving it out is really extraordinary to me. Yeah. And I'm absolutely in awe. This is really amazing stuff. Yeah. Like I'm very happy that nine star, they're the ones that, that are, that are backing my assassin books. Like mm -hmm. I, it's like, you know, I absolutely, I love small presses do a lot of work yeah. and I'm very grateful that they looked at something like, uh, 
FNB romantic suspense with a, a you know an assassin protagonist and went yeah no we love it and and you know because like you know like I knew I knew when I was writing the book that it was niche but I was writing it because I wanted something like it to exist that was like a dark heavy story but had you know uh, that had a non-binary love interest that was like you know, the attractive killer in a suit. Right. We love that. That's right. in 10,000 movies. You know, everybody right. loves John Wick. Um, is, is So I, I wanted to tell that. And, you know, so I was very grateful to find a home for it. And, and I will I will finish out the story there. But it, it was also a thing that I, I have a mentor who, who mentors me through the romance stuff, um, is that she's just like, you're right. And which was very flattering. She's like, your writing's brilliant, but a lot of agents and a lot of publishers are not going to know how to sell a character like this. Not because the work is bad, but because again, there's no frame of reference. Right. This is such a new, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a new frontier here. And so how do they package it? How do they sell it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the times if they don't know how to sell it, they'll say no, regardless of yeah. even if they like the story or like the writing. Yeah. I think, so, that, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a point too, to really drive home, especially to people who are chasing, you know, trad publishing and are frustrated because they can't get a deal is that it doesn't mean your work isn't good it just mm-hmm. means that they think they can't sell it for whatever reason which for part of me for you know her wolf in the wild is not only was it a story i want to write because yay lady worlds yay bikers as i was just like do you know what's always popular shifters and mcs <laughs> <laughs> i will put them together and then add lesbians <laughs> well i mean there is kind of a bit of that and i feel like in a way like because of your kind of you know wild mfa accidental mm-hmm. mfa mm-hmm. through writing for games you were kind of taught that early on and you were also taught what tropes uh, you know, uh, the readers are responding to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, like, what it, it, what tropes are they responding to apart from bikers and, and werewolves? So, I mean, a lot of it is I have I have definitely seen more, which th- this is a change in trend because for a long time, a lot of queer romance was like people were looking for the like the very like the very like sweet romance mm-hmm. kind of closed door, yeah. very like contemporary kind of straightforward little conflict stuff. A lot more people now are looking for dark romance and very explicit romance right. uh, that has been pushed that. So that's that's becoming more of a thing. Uh, monsters are huge in general, not just shifters, like actual, like, no, no monsters, full on, full on aliens, minotaurs, like a lot of that is like, people are kind of trying to break out of the mold there. Uh, really? Notice. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people looking for something that's a little, I think it, it helps that there's a lot of like really popular stuff with like Greek mythology and everything going on right. in a lot of media. And people are like, wait a minute, there's lots of other monsters that we haven't written romances about. I'm over here thinking about all the pearl clutchers and how many times mm-hmm. Amazon's going to chuck that book. Out. <laughs> it's true. No, no, I actually, uh, there's a, there's an anthology. I submitted a story to, I, I don't know whether or not I've gotten in yet, but, but they specifically said, we do want monsters, but noted that they have to be bipedal. And it's like, Mm. they're like, it's not that we're telling you to write monsters, but, but Amazon, if they don't have two legs, Amazon will get us in trouble. You're flagged for bestiality. And that's, and that's the end of it. Yeah. yeah, Even if it's like a completely sentient adult creature, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting seeing how this trend like results because you know, we may see another kind of wave of bans from Amazon and we'll see if people persist. Oh. Or not. <laughs> um. oh my 
Gosh. Which I hope not, though, because a lot of the stories are very creative. Like, I, you know, I, I see, like, lots of romances that they, they use, like, the dark themes and, and monsters and stuff like that to explore real-world things like dealing with trauma yeah. and anxiety and, you know, the damage of past relationships and, like, a, a lot of things that, that I think romance in gen- as a genre excels at. The reason yeah. I think it appeals to people is that not only because love wins, and that's a, it's a big deal for mm-hmm. the, the HGA is always such a big deal. But because you know you're going to get to that good end, you can get down there and explore all the emotional mess and yeah. pull it out. And and reading that, reading that, reading somebody going through that and exploring it and coming through on the other side feels good. So what? What? Why do you love romance? Is that why? It's a big yeah. It's a big part of it. Okay. Um. And, you know, all, some of it is representation. Is is seeing people like myself and my friends be loved and mm. be protagonists be in control of their lives and 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 especially because if you are queer you are punished for who you love that is that is how society treats it so to to look at that and go no love overcomes this it feels powerful yeah it's something to it's something to hold on to and and see that like you know we can get past that and it inspires other people i i with with my games there would be reviews that would break my heart that would be like, I'm not out to my parents, but I have this app on my phone and getting to play this makes me feel okay. Oh, my, that must be an extraordinary thing to hear or read. Yeah, mm-hmm. obviously you're reading the reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like, but, you know, and people have sent me dozens of, you know, messages and stuff over the years being like, you know, thank you for writing this character. Thank you for doing this. You know, I finally saw myself in something. And like, I, I have to keep doing that. And, and again, what I like about romance is, is I, there's always, every two weeks on Twitter, there's some war about, you know, should romance have an HEA? And it's like, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, it should. If it doesn't have an HEA, it's not romance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the reason to me that I love the requirement is I can tell, like, again, you know, the assass- like the assassin books, again, are very, very dark, but nobody reading it ever has to fear that it's going to end with, oh, Campbell's dead. Right. And now they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, they never have to fear that. Yeah. They can, it, it gives them a space to engage with, like, deep, serious emotions, you know, everything from, you know, it can be something like, forbidden sex to violence to all, all these other things and and, and enjoy that and, and know they're going to come out of the other side of it okay that yeah. co- that comfort space that that hea that's guaranteed like that's it's such a huge thing to me it's why i it's why i pretty much only write romance so you would know ne- are, are you tempted to go into another genre or like no you're happy here so i did write a horror novella um i submitted it it's in it's i submitted it to a traditional publisher i haven't heard anything yet it's okay. it's in a big queue um but I, I did write a horror book that also has a non-binary protagonist because i wanted to deal with the flip side of that identity which is like body horror and like dealing with you know how that feels and how society treats you and that if you feel like a monster what are you really um so which which is you know it's very serious and very dark um which hilarious there is a romance in there because they they have a happy relationship with their girlfriend that it's just that she's the only person that treats them that way um so i did write a horror book and i i I really enjoyed it and it got a lot of feelings out and it felt like the only one i needed to write (laughs) i really want to read that too i like i'm Mm -hmm. like okay just line up all your shit and give it (laughs) (laughs) now i'm like oh my god i want to read that too (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Whenever, whenever people are like, pitch, you know, oh, pitch your book to me. Like, you you know, you meet up with other writers. We have a group here in Chicago that are Chicago romance writers. And we we meet on like Sundays. 
and, and chat about our stuff. But whenever there's somebody new, it's like, okay, you know, tell me what you do and whatever. I'm just like, oh yeah, my new one is like butch biker werewolf. And it's just like, what? You put all of those together? <laughs> Give that to me, please. Yeah, I, I just, I appreciate that the pitch is short and sweet. Um, <laughs> You've got the elevator pitch down. Like, it's great. That's yeah. all you need to say. And people are like, more, more. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it encourages me, inspires me, because I feel like I write a lot of stuff that could be considered niche or be, could be considered as not having a market. And, mm. and yet yeah, I tell it to people and they're immediately interested. Well, you know, I think what's really interesting is we've sort of seen an explosion of male male books that are mm. um, being read by you know, the traditional romance reader, which means, you know, mm -hmm. middle-aged white, straight white women, <laughs> you know? And so I think that, um, so I, I, I'm wondering if that is now going to open up to, you know, uh, books about non-binary non characters or female-female relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that is open, you know, opening up, because I will tell you right now, I have a female-female book that I'm dying, FF book, I'm dying to write. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's a spinoff on my Rockstar series that is going to be taking place in I'm totally giving a lot away because this has shown up in my Rockstar book that um takes place in a tattoo parlor so oh yeah I, I loved I have many tattoos you Me can't too, see yeah. it because we're on audio but, but that makes that makes my heart happy okay good okay good so <laughs> so I have like you know the tattoo I don't know is that is that a, is that a thing like I know we have like Rockstar and we have MC, but tattoo artist. I, I, so I think so because in in fanfic, I know a really popular trope is the tattoo shop AU, which okay. it, like gives you an ex an excuse to like have all your characters in the same space and get like tattoos, like symbols with meaning and stuff like that. Like a lot, I do think a lot of people think tattoo artists are sexy. Okay, because that's where it's yeah. at. So I was like, I don't even know if this is a trope, but okay, we're gonna do. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think there's something there. Okay, cool. Phew. So I'm, I'm very uh, tempted, but I'm, all, I, I'm also very, very aware that uh, of own voices and mm -hmm. okay, maybe this isn't my story to tell. Uh, you know, like that's that's mm -hmm. also partly what's holding me back. That and the fact that I'm still in the middle of the Rockstar series. Um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, with that, I mean, I think it, it's a lot of it is you know sensitivity readers. Like for example. Um, the protagonist of Her Wolf in the Wild is biracial. Okay. Uh, she's half Mexican. I am not half Mexican. I, um, but, but Harlequin asked and provided me a sensitivity reader who to specifically look over, um, you know, how she's treated as a Latina and, and everything like that and went over that. And I got a great uh, a letter back from the sensitivity reader that asked me to change some things that were, you know, and I was just like, yeah, all of that makes sense. And like, I was really satisfied with the result. Like it is entirely possible you know, and like somebody who, who's actually, it's actually their voice looked at it and was paid to look at it right. and give feedback. And that, that makes a huge difference. Right. I feel much better about it because I know that somebody has looked, I mean, obviously one person doesn't speak for an entire community, right. of course, but, but it helps a lot that, that I know it went through that step. Right. Because I, yeah, because I know like I struggle with like, I want to be sure that I am inclusive and I want to be sure that I am, you know, reflective mm -hmm. of the world that we live in. And it's mm -hmm. not, you know, it's not all white, all straight, all, you know, mm -hmm. this, all that. It, it is, it is very diverse. But then I also am like, oh, yeah, but don't get it wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I mean, you want to get it. Yeah. Sensitivity readers are things. And like the, the, the thing always in my head, is is knowing is that if I get a book published like that, is that I should be looking for writers of that voice to also boost and push into the spotlight. Right. 
because if, if you are the one that gets the deal, it, it's your responsibility after that point to l- look down the ladder and help somebody else out. Right. right. And, and to me is, I think if you're, you know, aware of that and sensitivity reason, things like that is that that's, that's, that's how we improve. I mean, that's how we improve representation across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is amazing. Um, let me see. Let's, I don't know. Okay. You know what? I want to know. Famous steamy. I, I haven't asked mm-hmm. this in a long time. Favorite steamy moment in literature. Okay. So I have no idea if, if anybody's brought these books up before on your show. So the Cushales Dart, Cushales Legacy by no. Jacqueline Carey. They are epic fantasy books. However, the protagonist is a bisexual sex worker um, who she's born and the God of pain looks at her like as she's born, it, he's her chosen. Like, like she, she takes on his mantle as the God. Of, she's a sacred masochist basically. And this entire book series, the culture like sex work is legalized and, cool. okay. um, and there's like, there's like 12 houses, like there's different people of different, like, traits and specialties and stuff like that and it's just very commonplace and in fact there can often be a very high rank and make quite a bit of money if you're you're good at what you do and and the protagonist is is one of these characters but the thing is is she's she's being raised in in this household and everything like that and there's this older woman named melisande who the moment she sees her phaedra is the name of the protagonist is just in love it's like it's this immediate just like oh my god Jacqueline Carey draws out that tension for like 250 pages before Melisande buys her for a night. Amazing. And Talk that, about a slow burn. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, and, and, and in this, this is, we're talking about years are passing in the narrative. Like, oh, I think it's like man. four or five years. Oh. And, and wow. she's been like teasing her this whole time. And then finally buys her for a night on this, like very, for this like very big party. And uh shows her off in this in this gorgeous dress um it's it's high it's a high kink book so she's like on a leash and this other thing and then brings phaedra back to her 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 bedroom alone and they do this like very intense scene there's like there's pain and there's all these things going on and for the very first time phaedra gives her safe word because melisande asks for it says give it to me i've no you've ever given it to anybody else and like the, it's, the scene's just explosive. And after she gives the safe word and they stop the king stuff, they actually have sex. And it's just like, like everything is so intense. It's been 300 pages <laughs> leading to this, like just leading up to this, like years and years of tension. And it's just like, it's a mix of like, you know, like there's like hot king and stuff in it. And then the slow burn tension. And, you know, and I, I do like age difference in my ships. They're both adults. Okay. Um, but Melisande's older, so I was just like, hey, you know, I'm into that, cool. Um, but all of that put together is just explosive. That scene has been etched on my brain for, like, ten years now. <laughs> okay, that's it. and now it's etched yeah. in mine, and I'm going yeah. to read this book. <laughs> yeah. They're very, very long. Of, there's nine of them. Um, but, like, yeah, like, that. that is a... The, and again, it was between women, too, and right. I was reading this growing up and just being like, Wow, you can do that. <laughs> huh. That's awesome. But but in 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 all seriousness, like Cushiel's legacy like set the bar for me in terms of like that you can write about sex and have it be art. Mm, okay. Uh, now I can sort of see, yeah, I can definitely see what you're talking about yeah. there with having read your steamy mm-hmm. scene. So in that 
in that in that case, like to you, what makes an intimate scene good? So, to me, it's uh, and I, I will elaborate on this because it's a, it's a very short answer. So I elaborate is is specifically the details because mm-hmm. you can have the same set, the exact same sex act in ten different books with ten different couples, and it can feel like a completely different experience for your reader. Oh, this is cool because this was one of the things that has been brought up a few times. How do I make it different? Did I write the same Mm -hmm. scene that I wrote the last time? I don't know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's a really good point that it can be exactly the same, but if the details change, you've, you've got a completely different scene. Because the details can be, is it their first time ever? Is it, is it fraught? Mm -hmm. Is it hidden? Are they about to get caught? (laughs) Um, like, you know, are they, you know, are they, are they not supposed to be together? Is this, is this their wedding? Is this like their marriage bed? You know, there can be a complete different Mm -hmm. context in there, you know, is, um, do they, does, does everybody involved know what they're doing? Uh, that's a, (laughs) because, you know, sometimes you can have like fun scenes like, like, so, so, well, I've joked about this on Twitter before, so it's not a huge spoiler, but, uh, Micah in Her Wolf in the Wild is a virgin. Uh, uh, I have a virgin hero. My my big butch werewolf has not actually gone all the way. Okay, that is unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, it is for the protagonist too because she realizes that she's like, oh god, just because she's dripping with sex appeal doesn't mean she's had sex. I'm such an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like she sees this like absolute like just like shredded brick of a woman. She's just like, oh my god. I mean, I have to claim that. Realize that she has no idea what she's doing. Oh my god, I need to teach her. <laughs> <laughs> And that and that does twist it because it's like the bikers, the yeah, sort mm-hmm. of swarthy. You know, you expect them to be more experienced. Yeah, and yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is yeah. the reason Micah hasn't been with anybody is because her mother is an extremely well-known alpha, and she basically had a lot of people growing up try to be romantic with her to access power. Of course, and and yeah. which made her like very shut down. It's not that she's not interested in sex; it's just that everybody growing up that tried to approach her for that kind of thing was essentially trying to use her. Right. Um, so she is. It, it makes her more of like she's like more of it. She comes off as kind of like a cold, stoic, serious character because she's used to people approaching her that way. Um, so you know, part of that that warming up is you know the protagonist realizing that like oh like she's not. Like she's not cold if, even because she wants to be. It's it's like you know it's a, it's a reflex. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and again and also like so their first time scene like they have a lot of like kind of fooling around actually actually leading up to that because it's faded mates so they they're going to be all over each other anyway. <laughs> um, but is that like is is figuring those things out and that's a completely different scene than anything I've wrote in the assassin books like because you know Campbell and Justine who are my two protagonists in in the Fatal Fidelity series they're both adults they are both grown adults uh you know Justine's getting out of her 10-year marriage you know Campbell has has been around the block very the times like the way I write the scenes for the two of them is very different they know what they want and they already have done it mm-hmm. um, right so that is a huge difference is technically you could look at those books and be like, these same acts occur and the context is so different. They're all, it's almost unrecognizable. Right. Right. And, oh, and, and there are other details like, like to, to really like make an intimate scene for me is, is, you know, is all five senses. I, yes. I start, I do an outline of like, I usually do like a really like raw outline of like what acts and stuff I expect to happen. And then I start, those are like my lines. And then my colors are, you know, all five senses, you know, is, you know, scent, you know, touch, you know, sight and everything and how it all loops together. Because I feel like it's really easy to get caught, get caught in like the movement of it. Yes. Just, you know, oh yeah, we're thrusting. Cool. Yes. Um, 
and it, it, but it is easy to focus solely on that physical aspect as opposed to everything else that's happening. There's so much that's happening when you're having sex. Yeah, and I find that the choreography, like I definitely get tripped up in it, and I'm like, okay, this is going. And then, and then, so I, how do you? I guess how do you pull yourself out of that and sort mm-hmm. of go back? Are, are you sort of like, do you do a layering process while you're writing, mm-hmm. or is yeah, it- it's it's very much it's very much a layering. Like my my first raw draft, you know, like for like a sex scene, like the the steam scene that we're we're going to look at here was that i'm like okay i know that this is going to be uh like the last scene before the big reveal this is a culmination of all of their desires this and this and this uh i want campbell to be packing uh so uh and you know and i want i I also like i pick out like basically all the emotional and plot beats i mean first okay uh, and it's just like okay that's my raw thing i need to get from a to z by the time the scene is done okay cool write down probably the general order of sexes. I have very, very like short outlines. It'll just be like Campbell goes down on her arrow, uh, this and this and this and this. And I'll literally just do it like in, in an order. And then I will write the scene on top of it. Okay. Um, and, and, and work my way down. It helps me a lot with pacing. Right. Uh, because I'm not being like, okay, they just did this. Should I do this or should I do that? I already have it. I already have like the, the physical acts done. So um, just in no. terms of process, mm-hmm. like, are you, is this sort of first you're doing all of your outlining and all of this? Or are you going like moment by moment, day by day, you sort of go, okay, I'm writing this. Uh, and- it's all outlined. Okay. And, but it's all outlined way ahead of time. So it's not like, okay, today I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do my rough outline and then I'm going to write it. You have this yeah, no, all ahead of time. Yeah. I, if, if it's a scene that I think I'm going to have difficulty with, I might do a secondary outline when I get to it, if I need to get like into the real nitty gritty. Right. Um, but most of the time, like before, when I start a book, I do a full chapter outline. Okay. Chapter by chapter, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. And then when I get to the chapter, if it is something like a big deal, like a steam scene, then I'm going to, then I will make a, a, a chapter outline inside the actual document and just be like, this happens and just go all the way through there. I'm very much a, a planner. I cannot you like can't. pants to save my life. <laughs> it stresses me out too much. I feel like, I feel like I forget how to write. Yeah, um, I get, I'm impatient. So I end up, try, when I start to plot, I end up pantsing because I'm like, I get so like, I want to write this. And then I just get to a point where I'm like, and I'm out. Yeah. See, the problem is I'm also impatient because, and this is my fault because like I have the whole third assassin book planned out and it's a four book series. For some reason right now, all my brain can be like, I want to write book four. And it's like, you have to write book three first. <laughs> And it's like, well, I already outlined the book. It's like, yes, but you have to write it before you can start number four. It's my brain going, well, you already know what happens. Do the next one. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, no, you can't, can't do that. <laughs> so, okay, because you are writing in a series, and you, so you're not. Do you have the whole series planned or outlined as yes. well? Oh, wow, damn. Uh, it was, it was always uh, as soon as I finished the first book, I, I ended up. Like I started, this was before Nine Star picked it up, but I, I had an idea immediately for a sequel. So I like wrote that down. And then when they picked up the book and the editor was like, you know, is this something that you think has series potential? And I was just like, yes, I do. Let me do a series outline. And yes, it is four books. I do not intend it to be any longer or any shorter. Amazing. Um, okay. I have title. I have titles for them and everything. Whoa. Um, <laughs> well you know i spent I, I just finished my fifth book today it just went off sending off to the editor today oh, thank you and you do you know what i spent about two hours doing this morning figuring out what the fuck the title was <laughs> oh, so, okay so that is an interesting thing about my process i can't write something if i don't have a title oh i never have a title till i'm done 
Yeah, no, I, I the, literally the first thing I have to do is that I will, if I have an idea, I will like write it down in a document and then I figure out the title. I cannot, I have never finished anything that did not start with me having the title. Wow. You know, it's really funny because everyone always says, well, you know, and I, I'm like this, I need to know how it ends in order mm-hmm. for me to write it. Like, that's the one thing for me. I need to know how it ends, but it's hilarious in romance because I know how it's going to end. It's going to be happily ever after. And they're gonna yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least that part's already there. <laughs> So I'm like, that's not hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. And, and like, I always, I always know how I wanted Campbell and Justine's arc to go. Okay. Um, it is, it is, it is very specifically, I, I don't want to go too much into detail because wow, massive spoilers for the end of the series. I haven't written yet. Uh, but like Justine is the femme fatale. Okay. Uh, she is as, as, as like a noir character. She is the femme fatale. And, but you'll notice she hasn't killed anyone yet. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it, it's, and, but I mean, and she's with an assassin. And of course, like, it's a romance. So it's like, it, between them, it's not the thing. But like, that, that, the arc I have been setting up for her is the slow, which is, this is how my mentor described to me is that you have Campbell in the, like, the dark black side of morality, and that Justine starts over in the white that she is a very good person who's in a terrible circumstance and, you know, gets pulled towards Campbell out of desperation. And every single book is them moving more in the gray towards each other. Mm. It's Campbell having more feeling and more emotion and more compassion. And it's Justine losing her, losing that, that pure edge goes further and further and further away. And eventually there's a line cross. Oh, wow. Amazing. I, you know, because one of the things that sort of struck me, and I always find this so cool, because um, I'm actually working on a side urban fantasy slash PNR, but I'm, I'm sort mm-hmm. of, you know, I had an idea for it. My original idea was strictly urban fantasy, but now that I'm really entrenched in romance, I'm like, oh, maybe I can make this more PNR. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But I always imagined the one female character like being the same throughout the book you know have is always in the series and if I do the love interest does that mean I need to pull her at, like have the different character or do I continue her story mm. and you know because you have to keep giving them a happily ever after so you have to kind of yep. keep separating them yeah <laughs> no and, and no and that's interesting because I, I have technically all of these books like like love kills twice ends on a Hey, they're together. Yay, you know, right. happy for now one. And then love bleeds deep. They're they're together as a couple, and then it ends with a different take on. It's them having progressed past a lot of a lot of emotional pain and everything like that, and that together. So each each one of these books, I have to keep in mind, needs its own yeah hea yeah. until we get to the last one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's hard. Like it's a big like craft, like writing craft thing that like you, you know the structure, like you know the romance structure, and and then in and making it happen once and one book is hard, and making it happen four times is why did I do this to myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. I'm like you know I'm like just expand the expand the universe, get some different characters, make but, it easy on yourself. <laughs> but, but I do really love. I, I feel like there there aren't as many series and romance where you have couples that stay together yeah. and progress through the series yeah. i'm a huge fan of that yeah i mean i love i love the first time get together as, as much as everybody else but I, I do like series that follow a couple through their trials and tribulations a lot because you know it's it's easy when you're in the honeymoon phase right it's, it's more which which to be fair i got that from my games writing so the, these characters would have like eight to ten seasons right well they get together in season one 
So you've got to make them interesting in season two, three, mm-hmm. four, five, all the yeah. way to the end. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, and it's all kinds of things. It can be like, you know, how do they deal with kids? Do they get married? Do they do this and that? But, you know, you know, what's the external conflicts? What do their families think? You know, we had all kinds of different like tropes and stuff to pull and deal with that. But like, you have to like carry on like the chemistry and the heat and but also have them grow as people. Right. Without sacrificing the couple because right. them being a, them breaking apart isn't an option. <laughs> Is it an option to break them apart and pull them back together or do readers get angry at that? So I, it has been my experience that readers get fairly angry at it. They, they understand separations for certain things like, uh, I need you to go home while I deal with this, you know, big villain or this and this and that, like in a right. temporary break, kind, like a, a temporary break kind of situation in the find, but actual breakups I've found tend to, a lot of the times they feel contrived. Right. And I think it, 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 it's, it, it's hard. I, I see that I, I've seen even discussion on Twitter, like, you know, do we need the third act breakup? Uh, which is, which I, and I don't even necessarily think it needs to be a breakup. There are lots of things like for, it's, it's, it's not really even a breakup of the assassin book. It's, it's Justine thinking very seriously that Campbell is about to kill her, which is a very good reason to leave. Yeah. Um, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening, but she doesn't know that. It, right. is, it is very much that like she, she finds something that makes it very clear that she thinks her life is in danger. Like it's not even a breakup. Um, there are, like there, are, I think like there are lots of ways to do it. That is not just we fight over something small and then leave each other. Right, right, right. It, it can be I'm trying to protect you, and the over. That's actually in her Wolf in the Wild. The 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 like that kind of crux conflict is is just very much I'm trying to protect you. Trust me. Versus you need to let me deal with this myself. Mm. Um, and, and that's the thing is it, I think the best versions of that that break apart are when it's clear it is because both of them care about each other so much yeah it shouldn't be an argument about something small or petty it, it shouldn't be a mistaken identity it shouldn't you know like and to be fair as I'm saying this I, I know that there are authors who have done those things well but I think a lot of readers see that and they're like oh yeah they have to argue for 10 pages and then you know oh they'll get back together you, you can do a lot of things to like make that that kind of like crisis point interesting and based in their relationship right Very so you know. is, you're like having we're i'm having a master class with you right here oh. this is amazing. <laughs> again a lot, of it, a lot of it is just from as you said my accidental mfa yeah. it's, like, it's like well you have two weeks to figure this out you're going to do this 20 more times afterwards uh, I, I think I wrote something like, I think we ended up calculating it out. I think I wrote like 2 million words for them in total. Holy shit. That's a lot of words. Yeah. Because every, every, like every season was 30,000. Wow. So, I mean, a lot of it was just like, well, you're going to figure it out one way or another. <laughs> wow, a million words. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. I want to dig into your steamy mm-hmm. scene from love mm-hmm. kills twice. Um, we're going to have a POV shift at, at a certain point, um, but I'll, I'll flag it when we get there. But can you set this up for us? Okay, so this is fairly close to the, the end of the book. They okay. have already had, uh, Campbell and Justine have already had sex once. Um, they, they just, she, she runs in. So context for the readers, uh, this is the assassin she hired to kill her abusive husband. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, they're the love interest. Um, and they they end up there's like just a lot of tension between them and she you know she basically hasn't had any kind of satisfying romantic or sexual contact in a decade wow and she and she hits it off with campbell immediately the fact that they're dangerous is appealing to her in a, in a way she just you know it, it like the extreme of it 
is an immediate appeal. And Campbell's immediately attracted to her, but it's like, she's a client. This is stupid. There's no way I should be doing this. And, and yet, uh, when she goes for it and kisses them, they can't hold back. Right. So they, they have sex, um, once at Campbell's hotel and, uh, well, to be fair, it, and this this will probably come up in the in the second scene as well. Campbell goes down on her and and does a bunch of other things like that. She Justine has a great time, and then Campbell sends her home, and she's just like, "You don't want me to do it." And they're like, "No, it's fine, <laughs> go home." And she's just like, "I, I've never been on the other side of this before, where I just get to have a good time and the other person doesn't." What what? And and they're just like, "It's fine." And 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 internally, it's Campbell just being like, "I can't get attached." Mm. I, I made her I made her feel good. I can indulge in that and be satisfied with that and not think about myself. And Justine is like, they did all this for me and I don't understand why they care. Right. Um, so that's their first scene. So this is the second scene, which uh, Campbell calls her and says, I'm I'm doing the assassination tomorrow, basically. And, and this is going to be over with. And, you know, they're going to disappear. And Justine's like, I've been realizing in her head, I'm never going to see them again. Right. And uh, so they have a they have a phone call at the at the start of this um, the scene leading into it and have what is what is framed to be their very last time. Okay, I'm gonna start reading. Okay, so this little bit now I'm guessing from this mm-hmm. uh, Justine is a painter or an artist. Of some uh, sort? So yeah, she own, well she owns an art gallery. Um, her is her husband thinks that, like basically like never let her be an artist. So she does it in private. Okay. Okay. Uh, she she does it. It's like her her private secret hobby from him is that she's kept up her painting this whole time. Okay, so just um, it's a really tiny snippet from from this opening, and I wanted to point that out because it makes sense. So uh, so so this makes sense. My attention drifts to the canvas, Campbell Spectre right beside me in pencil. The color of their eyes is drying on my sample sheet, but it's a shadow of the real thing. There's no life there, no desire trying to break through freed threads of restraint okay so yeah, i was just like oh my god i'm done i'm done this is yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to me i love that because again it's Ooh. the ultimate rebellion she's not yes. just painting and he her husband doesn't know about it she's painting the she's painting the person she had an affair with yeah in their house <laughs> it, it's like her her rebellion is she's like slowly about to break out of this is, that, is, is painting them yeah and i just thought the writing you know mm. that it, it was you know not not you know not his image it's his specter you know mm-hmm. um i'm sorry their specter mm-hmm. sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah their specter um, you know fraying threads of restraint oh my god it was so so beautiful so so mm-hmm. beautiful okay um now now justine is on the move Mm-hmm. I don't usually take the train, but something is funny about being so anonymous as the doors close and I take the first empty seat I see. An assassin is waiting for me, yet no one has the first clue. I'm just some woman in a blue dress, checking the clock on my phone with every passing stop. Now we, now the, this anticipation is building. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. With three minutes to spare, I reach the door of their hotel for a second. I'm not sure whether to knock or text, but it doesn't matter when the when the hinges swing open, a hand darts out of the dark and pulls me across the threshold before I can think to resist. The door closes with a dull thud behind me, the lock flipped with a twist of swift fingers. That click of metal on metal seals my fate, and Campbell's mouth is on mine, hard and demanding. Even with the lights off, I know it's them. The hands on my shoulders were the ones on my hips a week ago, the kiss just as searing. I feel out of line of Campbell's clothes. I feel out the line of Campbell's clothes, a dress shirt open at the collar. 
the subtle buckle of their belt, pressed trousers, and a firm bulge between Campbell's legs. Oh, their grip tightens on me. In the mood to be a tease, Justine. Of course, that's the first thing Campbell says. Not hello or how are you, but a frame for who I want to be. They're the fire and flood sweeping through my life, ready to take it down to the foundation so I can start over again. So I tell them exactly what I want. See, okay, this is like, like I was just floored by the beauty of your writing here. Fire and flood, take it down to the foundation, particularly poignant knowing that this is kind of literally what's happening because mm-hmm. she's hired them to kill her husband, mm-hmm. the abusive husband. Um, I was, I, I was like, this is extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll actually tell you, by the way, the there the fire and flood sweeping through my life was actually one of the first lines I thought of. Really? For this story. Yeah, I didn't have a place. I didn't know where it was going to go. But when I was putting the story together, that line is one of the, like, I, I keep notes on my phone of, like, fragments of stuff. Okay. That that line was one of the first ones I had that was like, this is their dynamic. Did that, were you, were you just, like, walking down the street and you're like, oh, I got it. Or how did that come, you know, like, how does that inspiration come to you? Um, so the funny thing, so my my friends and stuff, like, no, I love assassins and love this and that. And somebody, one of my my friends, like, sent me, like, a, a joking post that's like uh, a jokes on you. I slept with the assassin who came after me, and um, oh. and, and I was like, ding ding ding. <laughs> I, was like, I was just like, what? And it was funny because we had I had been discussing with some other friends who are also romance writers, like enemies to lovers, like what the definition of enemies to lovers is, and and the the are my joking uh like upsell on that was assassin target to lovers. Um, oh yeah and i was just like i was just like okay so biz, biz, I, to be clear I, I i don't know if you've read the summary the full summary of the book i did yeah okay yeah uh at the beginning campbell is hired to kill justine yeah so it, they, they've been <laughs> hired you know they, yeah. they've both been hired by the, the, the same, the, the married same, couple. Yeah, the married yeah. couple. The, hus- the husband's yeah. hired Campbell. The wife's hired mm-hmm. Campbell. And so yeah. Campbell's got to make a decision, I guess, who they're going to kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but to be like the assassination target to lovers, and I was just like, but to me, when I thought of that concept, I was like, well, how, how does it change? Mm. Like, how does the contract change? What gets violated? And I'm just like, oh, well, two people hiring the same thing. And, and of course, Miss Campbell's immediate response is, what the hell is going on with these two? <laughs> Because initially, because the husband is the first person that hires Campbell, they get lies about Justine and why this person. And then Campbell meets Justine and is like, she's not like this at all. Wait a minute. Mm. What the, what is happening? Okay. And then she finds out, you know, and then, you know, like she tells them, you know, he's extremely abusive and this and this and this. And Campbell's like, all of a sudden like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of upended their original plan, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> And the thing is, it's like they, 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 you know, they, they don't violate their contracts. They don't do this and this and this. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have, they don't have much in the way of morals, but they have a very strict code. Right. And, and like being with Justine is already violating the code. And so they're, they're wrestling with it this whole time. So it was to be, to be like, yeah, like the, the, the way this concept came up was how do you take something like assassination target to lovers and make it like still a compelling conflict while not changing the fact that they were definitely hired to kill her. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I yeah. keep going. Mm-hmm. 
their breath catches as I work my way down. Now we're getting really into the steam now, okay? <laughs> Warm mouth and full of Campbell's length until I surpass my fingers. The wood creaks from above and my eyes have adjusted enough to see enough to the darkness to see one clenched fist against the door. Campbell's attention locked on me like I'm the only person in the world. I breathe in through my nose, tongue sweeping up the underside of their shaft, leaving every inch I can take slip. It's an easy rhythm to fall into, encouraged by the palm resting at the back of my head. There's no force, just the pressure that never quite let them escape my mouth. The scent of sex and sweat spills across my senses, salt lingering on the back of my tongue as I lick around the head and delve, delve back down. When my nose brushes the bronze teeth of their zipper, my name leaves Campbell's lips like a prayer. Oh, I'm a puddle right now. <laughs> I totally loved how you're firing on like basically all the sensations like we had talked about before. And, you know, that sort of layering of act with the creak of the wood, the sight of Campbell and being locked on her and, you know, the sense and the pressure and sweat and sex and salt. I, oh, <laughs> whew. I mean, and that's the hope to me because I, I want the full sensation. I, yeah. I sometimes read sex scenes that like, I like what's going on, but it, it doesn't feel like two bodies. Mm -hmm. I want every aspect of the body involved in an intimate scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm because here. when you're actually having sex, like a lot of, a lot, when you're actually having sex, like the things you focus on is not like a lot of things are filtering through at the same time. Yes. I think yeah. there's way more happening than I think we even parse that if you were looking at it from like a third person perspective, you would realize how much is going on there. Yeah. And that's how I kind of try to picture it and be like, you know, if, if I was standing 10 feet away, what's there? And it's, it's the, the scent and the sight and the pressure and Campbell's posture and, you know, and of course what Justine is feeling. Right. I'm like, oh, God, you need to rewrite all of your sex scenes right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last little bit from Justine. Then we're going to move to Campbell. Later, I put that fantasy into the air like a promise. I want you in me. I want, I want, I want. And Campbell's fingers find proof that I'm wet and that there, there are no barriers left between us. Campbell teases my pussy in slow strokes until I gasp, hips jerking forward, trying to rub against their shaft as if that friction will sever their last thread of patience. Instead, it destroys mine, forcing a needy moan from my lips. Campbell, their hand leaves me, and it would be a, mo it would be a torment if Campbell didn't press, press hard inside me with their next breath, filling me to the last inch. I have to relax to take them all in, but I savor the stretch, pleasure sparking, uh, pleasure sparking electric through my whole body. They're so close, close enough for me to read their eyes. They're not looking anywhere else, not thinking about anyone else but me. I'd give up a lot more than Richard for it to stay this way. Oh. Yeah, she's fallen so hard. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. And I, she thinks this is the last time. Oh. I remember writing this. And she's just like, oh, God. Like, oops, there's actual feelings. Oh, no. Oh. Well. Uh, it was so erotic, but so emotional. And so, mm. like, it was just, I was like, oh, my God. Puddle, puddle. It's uh, amazing. Absolutely gorgeous. I do just in general love stories where somebody falls in love with the person they absolutely should not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and this is a case where like in logically looking at what she does from the outside, there is absolutely no reason she should pursue this whatsoever. It is dangerous. It's a mistake. They're going to leave. 
you know, there's a there's an actual like crime they're committing, et cetera, et cetera, and she still can't help herself. Now, at this point, does she know that Campbell was hired to kill her? No, that is immediately after this scene. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, she, uh, they, they have a computer that has a list of all their clients on there and including like what they were paid for and everything like that. And Campbell goes to shower and Justine, because she's desperate to have something of Campbell and to understand because they have told her so little about mm, who they are right, that she's so desperate to find happens. something else. Like yeah. their, 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 their suitcase is locked. So she doesn't go there and their phone is locked. So she can't find it out from there, but she touches the laptop and, uh, and it comes to life and their their client list is on there with details and it has her name on it and it says hired by husband and oh. it goes very very poorly as you can imagine i bet it did especially since it was right after this so wow yeah. so yeah so it is it is it is like 10 pages after this <laughs> oh boy okay all right so now let's figure out what's going on with campbell okay she rolls her hips down at the same time I push up and we groan in unison. I could keep up the game or I could take what I want. Right now, what I want is to take Justine to her very limit, to have her scream my name until she's hoarse. So I bare my teeth, giving her just a second to register the predatory look and start to move inside her exactly like she needs, hard, fast, and relentless. Fuck, Justine rakes five hot lines down my back before she throws her head back and moans, shaking with pleasure. Campbell, don't stop. Don't you dare. I'm half tempted to dare just to see what she'll do. But it's so much better to feel Justine like this, giving in while still demanding more. I kiss down the line of her jaw, scraping my teeth along her throat, and she gasps high and hard. Maybe I can't leave the wrong sort of marks, but I can make her dream about it, the same way I'm sure she's dreaming about my fingers wrapped around her throat. Can you come like this? I growl, so focused on fucking her, my senses collapse to, to that single primal drive. Justine is malleable, as, as, as malleable as gold under my hands, searing hot as I taste the sweat off her skin. Or do you need more? I can. I, she gulps down a ragged breath, followed by a curse when I don't stop to hear her answer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I ever want to stop. If you keep, if you keep going, Campbell, use me. Burying my face in the curve of Justine's neck, I do just that. It would be selfish if she hadn't asked for it, pumping my hips like a beast in heat. But the moment Justine starts to whimper and tremble, I know she's getting close. I am too, chasing that sweet friction with every thrust. But I can make myself last. I will for her. She claws at me as she comes, crying out with every tight pulse of pleasure, as if there's so much tension inside trying to escape her. It's trying to pour right through my skin. I'm wild with it, continuing to move while my name leaves her lips in shattered syllables. Are you close, Justine gasps? gasps. Take what you need. My hips jerk, bliss spilling through my body in hot, short bursts, and Justine holds me through it, her fingers tangled in my hair to keep me cradled against her shoulder. Instinct keeps me thrusting until we're both at our limit, panting and flushed with afterglow. I sink back into her one more time, keeping our hips locked together as our eyes meet again. Justine's hair is a beautiful mess, spilling in waves down her shoulders every which way in that. A few strands cling to the column of her throat, rising with quickened breaths. Her lipstick is half in ruin, the scent of sex sticking between us and warring with the dark rose notes of Justine's perfume. I was like we were right there in the room with them, to be honest with you. <laughs> we're 
just kind of hovering over him, watching what was going on. That was really yeah. like such a beautiful moment. And you can see where they're getting kind of emotionally involved here and mm-hmm. really like, kind of twisted up in her. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's it's yeah. very much a contrast to the the first scene too, where it's very focused on like the physical pleasure of the act mm. and the fact that it's, it's something forbidden. It shouldn't be happening that like, Oh, it's the start of this affair, this and this and this. It's so focused on like Campbell's very focused on getting Justine off as opposed to, like there's they don't talk about feelings really that much right. so it was it was really enjoyable to to get this scene that both of them thinking this is going to be the last time I ever do this oh oh the feelings spilled out <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> didn't mean to do that yeah no mm-hmm. this was absolutely gorgeous and and yeah like I said I could just see where they're they're struggling with that like Mm -hmm. they want it to be a little bit more animalistic a little bit more Mm -hmm. removed but that's not happening nope that's just not happening this is gorgeous scene was just so gorgeous so thank you for sending it over i loved reading yeah i mean and thank you thank you so much for reading i i it is uh again like not safe for content in 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 fiction means a lot to me i think you know it gets it gets maligned so often um especially especially in real life you know we have everything going on with like sex workers and like only fans that news just broke yeah and and that quite often I, I i often sometimes wish that the that romance landia would would openly support sex workers a bit more we we make a lot of money writing the fiction of it mm. and a lot of people who live it uh are suffering it's a very um, good point actually yeah that is a because very good i mean to me is and, and this is the same thing with like you know with apple banning certain words in, in a fictional in a fictional app with only text in a 17 plus scenario where there are adults is saying no you can't say that condoms are a thing right like 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 the the, the same forces that oppress people who legally to be clear have sex for money um, are the same forces who will tell you, no, you can't use these dirty words. Right. No. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it really is pretty extraordinary. Um, you know, I do have to question if mm-hmm. cis hat men, it's like, it's only mm-hmm. allowed for them, right? It's yes. there's like, this is where mm-hmm. the, the, that experience is only allowed for them. And so when you start factoring in any sort of, um, you know, women's pleasure, mm-hmm. uh, non-binary pleasure, gay pleasure, like whatever that might be. It's like, that is not allowed. Yep. And exactly. yeah. And that is sort of like, you know, that, that sort of frustration, you know, of, you know, particularly with, you know, sex workers and being able to make a living and, oh yeah, I could, oh my God, this is yeah, a, I mean, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of trans and a lot of trans and binary sex workers made a lot of money on OnlyFans yes. because they didn't have to deal with yes. production companies that aren't interested in them. Yes. And it was safe or safer, yep. yeah. you know, for sure mm-hmm. for them to, to, to be on this app and, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's an important thing to be, it's like, I, I, I always try to keep in mind that yeah. I, and making my career on writing high heat content that I write sex, that I, that I value sex. And therefore, you know, I try, I try to keep in mind to support, uh, you know, sex workers who are dealing with it in reality. Yes. Um, and the way, the way they are treated by society is the thing is, is the way that porn stars are treated by society is quietly the way they wish they could treat all of us in regards to sex. It's mm-hmm. just, <laughs> it's just that they're allowed to do it yeah. to sex workers. Yeah. 
you know, solid solidarity is good for all of us. <laughs> I no. quietly, quietly steps off my sofa. <laughs> I know. I'm like, no pearl clutching allowed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it, oh, so here I, I will. I will tell you a story. Do Do you want to know how I figured out I was non-binary? Yes, I would. Thank. Yes, I actually would. A porn star. Wait, okay, uh, which one? Uh, so their name is Jizzly. Okay. Uh, they have been in porn for 20, 25 years, actually. They have been out for quite a long time. They're one of the only, like, non-binary stars that has actually crossed over into the mainstream at all. Uh, they're okay. friends with Stoya, who's also very well known. Um, is I was, like, 18 years old watching uh, watching a film from Pink and White Productions, which is a, like, queer and trans-owned pornography company. Okay. And saw them, and in the corner saw their pronouns because they talked about the performers and I had never seen that before. Uh, I'd never seen somebody who would use they, them. Okay. And I went, you can do that. And it was very, and this was after having like kind of like a gender crisis when I was younger, just being like, well, I know I'm not a trans man because I'm not a man, but what am I? You know, mm, right. there was no word for it. Right. And I saw this person, this is thing, not just the pronouns, this person being desired. Yeah. And, and, and smiling and laughing and having a good time and wanted to be that person. So to me, there, there is no separation from, to me from, for sex and my identity, because without somebody who was bold enough to be in that industry and out in that way, I wouldn't know who I am. Wow. That, that's absolutely beautiful. And again, like, yeah. I think that it goes back to representation fucking matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's the thing is, it matters. And that's the thing is, it matters yeah. for adults too. It matters yeah. for adult spaces. Yeah. Uh, is to see people, you know, that are grown adults with careers and lives that there is a future. Yep. It isn't just you come out when you're 14 and then it's a void. Right. It's, it's, it's that. And I actually, uh, I DM them on Twitter once, uh, and just sent like a nice message, but they sent me back a very nice note. They're like, Oh, I'm so glad. To hear uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I think that, you know, that yeah. that's uh, part of the reason uh, that's got to feel yeah. good Yeah, because especially because you, you figure considering how long they've been out and open mm -hmm. and have been using it, that could not have been mm -hmm. easy to do. Oh, never. Uh, not even remotely. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's easy to do now. Yeah, and it certainly wasn't easy back in, you know, like the early 2000s. Yeah, um, definitely not. And, and again, so, and if I hadn't had that revelation, and then I hadn't written characters, I wrote, you know, the first non-binary love interest in my things. Like, this, yeah. this is a chain. This is awesome. This is so awesome. So yeah. how can we, as like sort of the romance community, how can we support mm -hmm. you and other non-binary writers? What can we do? What do you need from us? A lot of it is two things. A lot of it is accidental exclusion because i want to be clear i don't there, there are issues there's of course transphobia and transmisogyny yeah. is your huge huge problems in publishing I, i'm not underselling that but a lot of it i think is accidental exclusion yeah there's a lot of talking that women are the only people that write in love romance um it, which leaves out a lot of people who are not women who write romance that women really like um <laughs> and um just read a and, scene yeah <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's you know to keep in mind you know when when doing like like even like naming awards or or conferences and just like being being really aware of like who you're invited because I can tell you as a non-binary person if I'm not explicitly welcome I'm not going to show up 
Because okay. there there are sometimes places where they like they'll be like, oh, this is like a women in games conference, and I have to look through mm. three different FAQs to find out that if I'm non-binary, I can also show up. Oh, so, yeah. And that's the okay. thing is, in in and it's not on purpose because you find in the bottom there like, oh, you're welcome, and it's like, but it wasn't very obvious that I was welcome, and the last thing you want to do is show up in a room where you are not allowed. Right. Right. So. And so a lot of it yeah. is accidental exclusion that people are used to the binary and just being like, you know, writing terms and words and everything that way. So some of it is just accidental. So it's to keep that in mind is is important. You know, when you're approaching people, and. And, and in general, and, and a lot of it is also the, the more active part of that is, you know, is promoting trans and non-binary books, is, is looking into them and like the way that they talk about, you know, bodies and sex and gender. There are sometimes, there's a lot of really good romances that still, that insist that men are one way and women are another. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and, and just completely ignore these. Another thing is, I don't think, expect every book by any means to have non-binary characters. I don't even think that that should be the case because there are many people without experience and, you know, that, that don't want to write that story. Mm-hmm. But if you talk about that a man is specifically this way with a penis, with this, and that all men do this this way, if that is our industry, that's a problem. Right. It leaves no room for people like me. Right. It leaves no room for trans women. It leaves no room for people trying to explore and figure that out. So a lot of it is language. A lot of it is, is you know, is is trying to boost books that are by trans and non-binary. It's very hard to get marketing. There, there are, like, even, like, FF is already, like, a really small piece of the pie. Right, right. And there, but there are a lot of, like, devoted readers who have made, like, groups and stuff like that that will hype stuff up. There is basically nothing for non-binary romance specifically. I mean, it, uh, like, even on, like, something like Amazon, like, my assassin books are listed under bisexual romance, which makes sense because Justine is bisexual. But it doesn't tell you at all who Campbell is. Right. So I could try to also get it into transgender romance, which I guess it's not even about them being non-binary. They just happen to be. Right. Um, right. So like the a lot of the categories and a lot of the places we need just don't exist. So we really need the help of like in the community to be actively inclusive and seeking out people like this and, and people with platforms to boost that because we just don't have it. That's why I'm really happy to see what Harlequin and Karina has been doing with their their trans girl summer. Uh, with, you know, with Penny Ames and, and May Pearson, because like that's what we need. We need yeah. those 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 heavy hitters to be like, hey, these ladies write romance too. Uh, you know, its own voices. It's great. You know, give it a shot. Right. A, a lot of the things like I've gotten very very good reviews for Love Kills Twice. The the people that read it, like a lot of them, been like, wow, I really, <laughs> got I really extraordinary enjoyed. reviews for Love Kills yeah. Twice, <laughs> um, and from Goodreads too, right. and they hate everything. <laughs> no, no, it was so funny. My mentor told me like, don't worry about Goodreads; they're vultures; they'll kill you. And I was just like, but there was I forget what it was because one of my friends said, oh, I saw a really sweet review on there. I was like, oh, I'll go look at it. And I was like, damn, my rating isn't too bad actually. I, I mean, I was like, damn, on good. Goodreads. <laughs> they hate everything on Goodreads, and they and I mean, rightfully, rightfully so. That that book is hot. It is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And so, but that's the thing is, is that there are many writers like myself who are writing stories like this. That yeah. like what we need is exposure. It's not that we we don't need mentorship to write good books. We don't even need like grants to write good books. Like oftentimes, we've already done it. Right. And we just need, I mean, it's, we're all at the mercy of the algorithm, right? Yeah. Um, it yeah. Is, it, so it's, you know, it's a, a lot of, so just having people actively give a damn 
is is like honestly the biggest thing there and i think it benefits everybody else i you know i think we all learn e from each other in romance landia i have learned so much from reading other romances and being like wow you know this chemistry is incredible yeah i love what they did with this trope yeah. we all can learn so much from each other and there's such a huge market we can all be successful yeah. um so yeah i mean that's that's the main thing for me is like kind of you know accidental exclusion but also just trying to actively support the work visit visits out there you know well okay how can we signal boost you online where do you live uh i'm almost i'm almost completely just on twitter uh uh Rand gray uh there because um uh, other social media platforms give me stress oh, not that twitter yes. not that twitter is less stressful, oh my god like, i can't go on twitter and <laughs> Twitter stresses it, me out. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it's I, in game dev, I'm so used to being on Twitter. Okay. And like, it's it's specific brand of awfulness that, like, it's just like, okay, th I live here now. Okay. Um, and then my, my website is also the, the same as my 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 name and .com. Uh, I have a, I have a newsletter on there if uh, anybody's interested. I just released a free short story in the Fatal Fidelity universe um, wow. that is... Uh, it's a prequel story, actually. It's about Sophia, who is uh, Campbell's lawyer. Um, oh! <laughs> who's in the... Who's, who, uh, yeah, she's in the mafia. That's why she's their lawyer. Are you doing a mafia romance? Because I'm thinking about one, too. So so she's actually Arrow Ace. Um, so she's not involved with anybody, but she's going to be a big deal in book three. There's a big mafia plot. Oh, right. nice. Um, so, yeah. You, so You're, like, yeah. living my heart right now. I'm just... I, <laughs> I, I really love all these tropes. Like the best thing for me about writing these books has then been able to write everything that like I see it in any kind of media. And I'm like, I want that. I want 10 more of that. And then I do it myself. <laughs> so yeah, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Twitter there primarily. And then my website and yeah. And then the main thing is that Her Wolf in the Wild by Karina Press is coming out October 19th. Excellent. If you are interested in a butch biker werewolf and her uh, big queer wolf pack. And, yeah, I'm so there um, for that one. You know, it's available and stuff for pre-orders now. I actually, uh, I can say this on here. I haven't posted this on Twitter yet, but I got patches nice. made. Oh, excellent! For the Hounds of God, excellent. that I'm gonna do a promotion campaign for. That I'll, if you're in the United States uh, and you're you you sign up, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll send you I'll send you patches. I'll send you Werewolf Hounds of God patches. That's so, so cool. That's so yeah. cool. Oh my god! All right. Well, I'm gonna have all of that in um, all those links in the show notes to pre-orders and books mm -hmm. and websites and all of that. Mm -hmm. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. This has been really, really fun and really great to talk to you. Yeah, no, this has been fun. It, it everything here has been great. You had great questions, uh, and I uh, it also definitely hearing my sex scenes read out. Me just standing here slowly turning red. Oh, I wrote that. Huh? <laughs> All right, I made you turn red. Yes! <laughs> My job here is done. Yeah. You have a very good reading voice. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Elle. I would love to have you back, so anytime yeah. you're welcome. Sounds great. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.